Today on Sagittarian Matters, we talk about aging, midlife crises, advice on life, and more with my very special guest, Jessica Lanyado. Stay tuned. Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Los Angeles, California. This week, I spoke with psychic astrologer, friend to the show, Jessica Lanyadu, from her office in Oakland, California, and we answered so many of your advice questions that I'm going to have to break them into two power-packed thematic episodes. Today's theme is aging. Jessica and I answered questions about May-December romances, internalized ageism, midlife crises, also known as Neptune squared Neptune, and more. Now please enjoy my talk with very special Capricorn to the show, Jessica Lanyado. Jessica Lanyado is an internationally respected astrologer and psychic medium who has been in private practice with clients all over the world since 1995. You may recognize her from her very special guest appearance on Relative Fiction. Jessica is a triple Capricorn. She has a wonderful podcast called Ghost of a Podcast, and her book, Astrology for Real Relationships, is available right now. Find it at lovelanyado.com or anywhere books are sold. Jessica Lanyado, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. Always a pleasure to be a Capricorn on Sagittarian Matters. Honored Capricorn, triple Capricorn, <laughs> and crossover hit medium as featured on Relative Fiction, where everybody wanted to know, how can I book a session with Jessica to hold a seance in my family? That is amazing. First of all, I love that you call it a seance uh, because it isn't, but it's so much (laughs) cuter um, that you do call it a seance. And also uh, it was so cool getting to listen to that whole thing because as a medium and a psychic and astrologer, all those things, I never get to hear all this layered backstory and forward story too, because there's things that we talked about that you didn't know yet that came to pass afterwards. Right. It was just such a cool experience for me as a practitioner, not just, and also as a friend. And also, of course, it's a fucking amazing show. So it was also really great experience for me as just a nerd with a headphone plugged into my phone phone. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I always, I hate it when people try to do the like, test the psychic thing, you know, like a, how many fingers am I holding behind my back? Like, are they going to guess this? And I, you know, I always hate that kind of like, you know, here, jump through the hoop thing. But this was a case where my producer was like, I think that Jessica talking to your dad was my favorite thing from the podcast, because there were so many things that she said that she couldn't have known that were spot on and the exact same wording as, you know, family members from like Ohio, who we had talked to the day before. That's really cool to hear. And I agree, of course, I do not like 
the testing, I don't think anyone in any industry is like, let's see how good you are. Let's see how smart you are. Like, it's really obnoxious and people do it a lot with astrologers and psychics and stuff, but it is really cool to have evidence like of anything. Like it's cool to have someone work on your car and then to evidentially have your car work better afterwards. Right. Like it's, it is really cool. And, um, that's really an honor to hear. And also it was cool for me to be like, holy shit. Like, you know, there was just so many parts yeah. where I was like, wow, that, that, that's wild. That's cool. Plus the hat. Hi, Nicole and Jessica. Do you have any advice for combating internal ageism? <sighs> I've been feeling insecure in a new kind of way about being an artist in my thirties. I know I'm still young, of course, but as friends of mine start to settle into comfortable living situations and salaries, I'm often the odd one out still chugging away in the art world and waiting tables. I know in my heart, this is who I am and I want to keep going, but this age thing has really taken a toll on me lately. What do you suggest to help shoo away these insecurities? Thanks Mm. so much. Big fan from troubled in Toronto. Jesus Christ, people, you are too good. (laughs) This is a good question. It's a great question. And whenever people in their twenties or thirties talk to me about feeling old, I always think, oh, that's cute. You're going to have a really hard time over the next 50 years of your life. I'm 24. I feel so sad about getting old. This is the thing. (laughs) And I get those questions a lot. And I'll also say anyone who feels old in their thirties, I mean, maybe I guess if you're pushing 40, that's a little different, but anyone who feels old at 37 or under felt old at 25. They were like, Oh my God, I'm a quarter million years old or whatever. Like people who feel old in their thirties are people who feel old in their twenties and talk about how old they are in their late teens. You know, like, I just feel like it tends to be the same person because you're comparing yourself to being a child instead of looking at a human adult lifespan. So there's this way that within ageism, which is wrapped into misogyny, right? Um, Regardless of a person's gender. But when we talk about ageism, what we're talking about is this unconscious conviction that your life ends at a certain point and you don't get to do things at a certain point. And the development and experiences that you have at a certain age onwards are are not relevant and they're not real and they're not flexible and joyous and all the things. And that's wrong, 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 right? That's, but that needs to be excavated in order for us to truly cope with ageism. And I think ageism and like fat phobia and ableism, all of these things are really hard to excavate because they, every, because they're, they're everywhere. You know, they're, they're really, I mean, in other isms, of course, many other isms, but I kind of see these as connected because as the body ages, things do change. And, you know, these things, these things we have really unconscious, but deep convictions around. And so I am really of the mind that what this person is talking about is so important. And also the only answers come really deep from deep within. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder also if this person's queer, cause there's, you know, there's that whole book and theory about queer failure, which is basically like people tell you when you grow up, you know, here's the signs of growing up and they're very capitalist ideas of growing up, which includes like getting like straight capitalist heteronormative, like you get married, you buy a house, you have a baby, you have a car. And that's just not the way for a lot of queer people or people who are artists who've lived their life in a different way. And if your art isn't making you money, that doesn't mean it's a failure. It doesn't mean you shouldn't make your art. If you're waiting tables to support your art, good for you. You, I've, I've always had a day job. My day Mm -hmm. jobs have 
you know, sometimes been art focused, sometimes not. I've always had a day job to support my art. My art not supporting me doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just means that's not a price point that can support my life. Yes, yes, yes. But that's a really important point because I do think there's so many differences in straight cultures that, and not all queer people live in queer culture, right? I mean, I think that's also really relevant. A lot of queer people do live in straight culture and most of their friends are straight. And so there's those straight pressures that occur. But um, when the thing about aging is that you can run out of time for certain things. That's true. You know, your body will at certain points in your life be like, Hey bitch, look at this. It's new. It's different. (laughs) There's things that change, including your values, including your needs. And I think when we're caught up in like ageist shit, we're not able to honestly and effectively consider those things right? Like, how do I need to, at 46 years old, think about saving money differently than I did at 36? Um, Very easy answer. You know, it's like, there's certain things that I just wouldn't consider doing as a middle-aged person that I would consider doing in my thirties because of a million reasons. And that's not bad. And I think, you know, kind of like ageist culture says that that is bad, that being in your twenties and thirties is like cute, and being older than that is like, okay, now you're not relevant to society. And you're not ways, attractive to that's men. That's true. Right. Right. Because you're not attractive to men. But also I think even men deal with a different kind of pressure. I mean, it's not the same for them. It's easier for them. But it is different when you're in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s. I mean, and this is like my perspective as an astrologer is that culture isn't made for you at a certain point. And that's not just modern culture. That's actually, that's been going on for generations and generations. At a certain point, the primary, the primary kind of like consumers of a culture and creators of a culture in a certain age group. And so everything is kind of made for them. And I think that that's, that's real. And it's something that we all have to look at and cope with and think about that in our own ways whatever that looks like. And for those of us who don't have kids, we have to keep on creating our lives in a different way than the bulk of people who do have kids. And there's more and more of us who don't have kids, right? And it sounds like the questioner does not have kids at this time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's really important to, to look at like, well, what are the advantages of being older and how can you own it? How can you work it? You know, I personally have had a lot of friends in their thirties um, lie about their age in public. Yeah. The gasp. (laughs) And, um, I can understand why they, why they have, I actually didn't get a book deal because I was too old when I was chopping my book around in 2019. Uh, so in 2019, I was too old to get a book deal. And I, there are absolutely a lot of things that we age out of, but I think, understanding that as we age out of those things, other things become relevant, other things become resonant, other things become important. We have different values is it's something we don't talk about enough. And some of the reason why we don't talk about it enough is because people in their thirties and twenties are talk, are like kind of often leading conversations around aging. Right. I, I have two things for this person. One is a piece of homework and one is a bit of mental advice. The mental advice is 
when you're seeing other people appear to have a comfortable life because they've bought a house or whatever, a lot of that is because they have inherited wealth, (laughs) generational wealth. Sometimes you don't see it. And someone's like, we bought a house. And that's because they got married and did the heteronormative thing. And someone gave them money or someone died. And if you don't have that, it's easy to be like, oh no, I'm too old. But these, this 25 year old barista just bought a house and has all these you'd have to really remember that classism plays a role in all of this. And also the idea of like growing up or being stable or whatever. The other thing is my homework for you is go volunteer. It's well, like Jessica, like you were saying, like surround yourself with people to look at, especially on Instagram or whatever, not fucking 22 year old influencers, but people who are older, follow them, aging icons, aging style icons. But also my homework for you is go volunteer with some senior citizens Now that you're probably double vaccinated, nothing put my life in a perspective more for me than talking to someone in their eighties who was like, what you're 37. I wish I was 50. Yeah. Like when I was 50, I was in the prime of my life. Like I had it together. I had gotten rid of my husband. My kids were out of the house. I got to do whatever I wanted to do. My body was still working great. Like, I wish I was 50. I can't believe you're complaining about being 30 something. Yep. That was really helpful. And also it's like, I want you to make visible the people that our society deems invisible because they're not serving a capitalist purpose. And that's old people who are out of your eye because they're not out working in front of you generally. Yeah. Or posting to social media. They're not post. They're not wasting their life posting to social media. (laughs) Many people, many, I mean, there's, there's elder clear if you want to go and there's Mm -hmm. advanced style, which are two things I like to look at on social media that have people aging realistically, but, um, yeah. And on TikTok, there's actually a lot of creators who, um, who are much older people or who their accounts are basically just like posting their grandparents and stuff like that. You know, the world we live in now, it's older people are not integrated into, into like, because family isn't as big of a deal as it used to be. We, a lot of people don't have contact with older people and everyone who says to me, I want to I want to extend my life. I want to live for a long time. I don't want to age. I'm always like, you've never interacted with a person who's over the age of 70, obviously. Like you really have no idea what you're talking about. Human bodies, if you are privileged enough to grow old, we know that they decay. This, this meat suit is not meant to last. Meat doesn't last. That's just not a thing. And I think, you know, this person didn't name being scared of like physical decay, you know, because that is like, I think a scary part of a certain part of aging. Um, I, but I, I guess, I, I guess what I I'm trying to say is that if we do not educate ourselves in the ways that you're naming Nicole, and there's other ways as well about what it means to be in a body as an older person, what it means to have a life as an older person, then we will feel isolated as it happens to us. And, you know, maybe you're at the age where everyone just got married and just got their house. And you're not yet at the age where everyone's getting divorced and is living on the other floor of the house with their partner. Cause that there's an age for that too, guys look at statistics. Um, but it, it's really important to just understand that your life is going to be just as relevant and valuable and happiness and sex and all kinds of things are going to be differently, but just as important to you in 15 years and in 30 years as they are now. And understanding that, remembering that can help you to appreciate that this moment is always the youngest you'll ever be. I, I think I may have told you this already, Nicole, but when I turned 40, I, 
I found my first gray puke and I was like, oh, they gray. I hadn't thought of that. Um, it was like the same week. And I stumbled upon this like French philosopher and I don't remember what their name was. Did I say this to you already? No. Okay. So this French philosopher said that the forties are the old age of one's youth. And I was Mm. like, oh, I like that. The old age of my youth. And then I, of course, took it a step further. And I was like, okay, so if my 40s are the old age of my youth, then my 50s are the youth of my old age. So I just bought myself 20 years of youth right there. Um, I mean, look at, look at Eileen Miles. Yes. Eileen is in their 70s and is jamming, is jamming on their life. And I think about meeting Eileen in their 60s and I'm just like, oh my God, they were still, they were like in the youth of that era of their life. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, a little bit conversely, I'll say this. I have friends of all ages. I have friends in their eighties and I have friends in their twenties. Um, and again, I'm 46 and I will say a massive pet peeve of mine, which is kind of the converse of what we're talking about is when people in their twenties and they're like early mid thirties to tell me how to feel about being my age, Mm. there is nothing wrong with feeling old. I don't know why we say that there's something wrong with feeling old. If you're feeling old, you're feeling old. Cool. That's great. It's what you do with your life. That's what's important. And I think, you know, there's a way that young people are so scared of being old that much like you were saying earlier, Nicole, about how people are like, they can't tolerate the discomfort they feel in being present for your discomfort that they're like, no, 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 let me spin this for you. But I think it's, I think that there's like a way that we just need to get comfortable exploring this, understanding what aging is and what it isn't. And to simply make peace with whatever you do right now is your life right now. And those are your choices and you are taking care of future you or not. Um, but if you spend all your youth, which your thirties, every single moment of your thirties, I characterize as youth. Um, if you spend your whole youth lamenting how you're old, you're going to be really fucking bummed for 40 years of your life more, 40 years more. Yeah. If you're so lucky, if you're so, if you're so lucky, the thing about, I mean, it, it is kind of like deprogramming your mind. I don't know what like the aging, like it's, it's basically like, like when someone's like, Oh no, you're not fat because they're saying yeah. like the word fat is a bad word. That's exactly just it. kind of, I don't know. It's not decolonizing. It's like a different version of that where it's like, just unpollute your mind and be like, it's okay for someone to be fat. That's yeah. okay. That's not a diss. It's mm-hmm. actually just a thing. And it's great. It's not horrible for someone to be gay. It's a blessing for someone mm-hmm. to be gay. It could be a blessing for someone to be fat. Like it's a blessing for someone to be old. Oh my God. They got to live that long. So if somebody says, I'm old. You know, to be like, no, no, no. Oh no, yeah. don't say that. That's the worst thing you could say about yourself. Don't say it. People are always saying to me, oh, don't call yourself old. Don't call yourself middle age. And I'm like, bitch, I'm in the middle. If 46 isn't the middle, you tell me how old I'm supposed to be. Cause I don't want to be in my nineties and hundreds. I'm cool with leading in my eighties. So, I mean, honestly, I'd be cool with living in my seventies. I'd like to leave the party while I'm having fun. You know what I'm saying? So like, I have no identity around leave, around being old forever. That said, this is the thing is that being old is not bad. Being middle-aged is not bad. That I did Google when I turned 40, I did Google what middle-aged looked like. And it was all like women in their sixties, white women in their sixties. And I was like, how is that the middle who lives to 120? I'm hoping to live to 120. Are I'll you really? You I don't know. I'd like to live a long time. Really? I, I have a strong do resuscitate. I just want to be around. <laughs> I have the opposite. I have the opposite. I'm like, leave me in the fucking road. 
you know, <laughs> if you could shoot me up with some, like, I don't know, morphine, morphine, I, I, as a medium, I'm not a fan of morphine, but you know, I would rather be left in the road than have machines help me to live forever, you mm. know, but I, okay. Watch me get a little deep for a second here, but I have, um, as a medium, I've spoken to a lot of dead people and I don't fear being dead. And I think part of what I wonder about with people who really want to live for a very, very long time, if you know what the quality of life is for the vast majority of old people, like very old people, is it informed by a fear of being a dead person? I can't help but wonder that because as a dead person, from my perspective, watch me take this in a direction. Um, but from my perspective as a medium, being a dead person is being, it's just, you're, it's life. Like this isn't the only life. There's more, there's more of life than the, the meat suit. So um, I'm just kind of like, let me tap out when the meat suit stops, you know, being in some version of functionality, but you know, not everybody gets that. That's just my, my perspective. I, yeah, I want out. Is there life after life after death? Wait, what? like, like if death is a different kind of life, mm -hmm. is there something after that? Yeah. <gasps> mm -hmm. As far as I know, I mean, I, I, nobody knows, but yeah, as far as I know. Yeah. Now I have a new realm of fear of death. <laughs> really? Are you scared of death? I'm scared of not existing at all anymore. Cause I really enjoy being alive and mm. checking out everything that's going on. Interesting. I mean, here's the thing, regardless of what I think I have had way too many experiences talking to dead people where they report things that are evidential to living people to have any idea that when the meat suit's gone, you're gone. The meat suit is, it's a container. And when you lose the container, you expand, you don't shrink. I'm not trying to, you know, advocate for everyone to go die today or something. You know, we're here for a reason. The meat suit exists for a reason, yada, yada. But death is death of the body and death of this life. It's not actual death. There's no actual thing as death as far as I understand it. Again, I've just talked to too many dead people to feel that there is. Wow. Yeah. Heavy, it got heavy. This is heavy. See, but that's what happens when you ask good questions. That's a great question, CCC. Good luck to you. Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Maria Turner Carney, Emily Helmes, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, in particular, producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. Or, this just in, he's got a Venmo, Hell Books on Venmo. That's H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's speaking voice. Hi, Sagittarius Matters. I would love to ask Jessica if she could talk a little about the Neptune Square Neptune. I am going through this transit at the moment and it's really depressing. 
any survival tips on how to deal with the feelings of hopelessness or exhaustion that comes with it would be very much appreciated. Thank you. From Neptune in New York. I don't know anything about what this person's saying. I have to tell listeners, I get a lot of questions that are like Pluto, Mars, conjunct math, like lots of stuff happening in the math um, planet realm whenever Jessica comes on the show. And I can't choose all those questions because sometimes I can't even tell what they mean. That is so fair. And I'll say, I actually just dropped an episode, I think called Neptune Square Neptune, like maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago or something. So you should definitely check that out. And you actually, Nicole, might be going through a Neptune Square to Neptune as we speak because you're 40. You're 40? I'm 40. Have you always been this young or did you just become this young? I'm I confused. became 40 years young in December. Ah, mazel tov, mazel tov. Hold on, hold on. What year were you born? Do you mind if I check so I can just know if, if I'm directing this to you as well? 1980. Oh, you were born in 1980. You are young. Okay, hold on. Um, what's your month and day? December what? Oh yeah, you're going through your Neptune square right now. Okay, <laughs> listener, I am with you. Yeah, you you are together. Um, so the Neptune square to Neptune is a transit that happens. Um, is there's like a series of transits that occur um, that are associated with middle age. So they are responsible for the, have you heard of it, mid-age crisis, which in the 1980s, um, the stereotype was the man leaves his husband and uh, the man leaves his wife and kids, gets a red car and a secretary and like acts a fucking fool, right? Yeah. And that is in part because when the Neptune square Neptune occurs, you start to feel demoralized by all the ways in which your life does not hold meaning. So let's integrate this with the 30 year old. Who's like, I'm old. Um, Here's the thing. If you in your twenties and thirties do not build a life that holds meaning to you, true meaning to you. um, Then when the Neptune square to Neptune occurs, you will feel demoralized and empty. You will feel the sense of exhaustion about how much more there is ahead of you and how little energy you feel you have to do it. Neptune squared and Neptune is a confusing time where we question our, our lives and ourselves in the most spiritual way up. So in a really kind of like ennui existential way, it like foundationally, and then up through the layers of our lived experience and our entanglements. So the Neptune squared and Neptune happens either before or after the Uranus opposition, the Uranus opposition is when people blow their lives up and they're just like, I'm going to get married spontaneously. I'm going to get divorced spontaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm, we're pointing fingers. Uh-huh. I'm going to move. I'm going to burn it down. I'm going to burn it down. Now the Uranus opposition is when you change shit up because you realize that you're still young. Yeah, that's right. CCC, you're still young in your early 40s. And the, these two transits, they happen anywhere from late 30s to around 43 years old. It depends on the generation, the movement of the planets. But the um, there's like this thing that's happened where the Uranus opposition has occurred and you had this like really upsetting time. And you may have felt liberated by that upsetting time or you may have felt um, just completely like your life was disrupted. Most people feel a combo platter. And then the Neptune square occurs. And when that Neptune square occurs, you're kind of left with yourself. And because Neptune governs dysphoria and anxiety and spirituality and meaning, uh, not in a material way, but in a really, really spiritual way, it's a difficult transit for most people to experience because you feel like, what am I doing? Like, what is the point of what I'm doing even? And where's my place in myself, 
in my life. It's uncomfortable. So what do you do? You simplify the questions you're asking yourself so that they're distilled to the most essential meanings and value. And you organize your life to be again, as simple as possible. So you can deal with what's actually important. So that might look like noticing how much time you're spending on social media, scrolling through a bunch of bullshit or consuming content that actually pollutes your, your thinking at, to use your term, Nicole, um, and to change that, you know, this is a time where you do have to confront that you are not young in the way that you used to be. And you're actually not old yet. You know, in your early forties, in your late thirties, you are not yet old. What you are is young, but tick tock, tick tock. And so there's this sense of like, okay, so what am I going to do with this time? And when we talk about youth and age in this way, I want to just acknowledge part of what I'm talking about is you never really know what's coming next, right? Like you never really know what's coming next, but when you're in your twenties, when you're in your thirties, you can kind of visualize what you're going to look like physically, but let's be real in your forties, you're going to start to age more rapidly and differently in a way that's more on the surface. And you don't even know what you're fucking going to look like. Look at old people. They were all young people. They didn't think they were ever going to be old. Every old person never thought they were going to look like the way they looked. They had no way of knowing the way they were going to look. You are going to look like a different person. If you look at photos of old, you know, people who are now old when they were young, you're like, oh, that's not necessarily a person I would have thought was the same person. That's just going to happen to you. Not to scare anyone. It's just part of being human. It's part of being a human. And so this is like not what most people are cognitively thinking about, but it's part of the spiritual crisis of like, how can you prepare your relationship to yourself? Because you still have years. You still have many years to engage honestly, openly, kindly with yourself around these things. But if you don't do this work, you know, if you don't do the spiritual work of this period, the psychological and emotional work of this period, then you're going to find aging a lot more uncomfortable, like a lot more uncomfortable. So you know, this person's feelings are perfectly normal and valid and reasonable and are meant to kind of smush and nudge them to, um, to, to have different kinds of conversations with themselves. How long is this Neptune? Dos anos. Two ani or two years. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can, I know from looking at family members that I, and I can feel my body forming them, I will have jowls. Oh, me too, honey. My future life is that of a bulldog woman. And I am leaning into it, but I can feel them forming. I can feel my jowls activating Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm getting liver spots on my face. Cool. If you're wondering about aging, I used to tell as a way to scare middle schoolers when they were being bad, I would be like, hey, you guys, you guys worried about acne and you think they're going to go, it's going to go away. Well, guess what? You could have a zit inside of a wrinkle because it never has to end. <laughs> you could get acne into your late thirties. And now I'm like, you can have a zit inside of a wrinkle inside of a liver. Oh yeah. Welcome. It all happened at the same time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the thing about age, I really, I hate it when people say age is just a number. Age is not just a fucking number. It's not just a number. Age is lived experience. It is a fucking accomplishment. Oh, it yeah. is an accomplishment. Every year you make it through this ridiculous life. It is an accomplishment. Obviously, this is where the Sagittarius and the Capricorn part ways, right? Because the Sagittarius is like, give me more life. Life is delicious. I want it to run down my chin. And Capricorn's like, this is a job. I will do it. But when I'm ready to clock out, I'm out. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that um being 
being willing to kind of confront these things is a huge struggle for most people. You know, most people do not embrace their jowls, um, for, as an example. Yeah. You know, you know, I struggle with mine. I don't mean to brag, but I struggle with mine. Um, and I think, I think that the kind of like, if you don't like your life, if you look around your life and your relationships or your health or your career isn't, it isn't making you happy. It doesn't reflect who you, who you feel that you are. This is a time to not just make material changes, but really to make internal changes. Uranus opposition is when we make material changes and that one lasts about a year. This one's about two years. And this is when you make the spiritual changes. And, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult. So for you, Nicole, you've been going through this transit for, uh, 2021. It just started in 2021. So you would have felt it in the last three months of 2020 onwards. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We have one more about can say in, in the spirit of age, is it nothing but a number <laughs> dear Jessica and Nicole, does age difference in relationships really matter like significant age difference? What does it say about the person who finds themselves with a pattern of them from <sighs> significant age difference in Cincinnati. Okay. You made that one up. This person didn't tell me which side of this relationship coin they're on. And so we are just going to have to do our best. Also, they didn't say if they were queer or straight. And I think that makes a difference. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, let's, I, when I was a younger person and someone who was older than me, like more than 10 years was attracted to me. I thought it was because I was so mature and it spoke well of me. But now that I am those ages and above, I see that that was a little more predatory or just an imbalanced relationship at best. Uh, Could not agree more. And every young person thinks that they're special and mature. And that's why the old person likes them. When in fact, most commonly the old person likes a younger person because they themselves are trapped in a pattern where they only know how to interact intimately with people who are at a certain level. And I don't mean level, like in a hierarchical way. I mean, listen, honey, if you're 25 at best, you've had five years, more realistically, three years of adult experience. Right. Whereas at 35, you've had at best 15 years. Right. And I think there's a meaningful difference because think of a two month period and how much you've grown. You know, it's like when you're young, you can't hold that because you haven't been alive long enough to hold it. You haven't been an adult long enough to hold it. I felt like that when I I grew, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 16 or 17. So by the time I was 19 and a 30 year old wanted to date me, I was like, it's because I'm so mature because I've Mm -hmm. been on my own in the streets. But actually it's because that person, I just, the more you age, I feel like the more integrity and responsibility and self-knowledge and acceptance you get. And then you going after someone who's significantly younger that doesn't have that means you get to get away with more shit and they'll put up with it. Yes. And that's the part where it's the power imbalance where it's like, Oh, agreed. I was also 19 with a 30 year old who was also my boss at my job. And I just thought it was because I was so mature because you're Capricorn. Obviously you were born mature. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was not that at all. You know what I mean? It was not that at all. It was less a reflection of my maturity. It was more a reflection of her 
not being ready to be in a situation where she had a certain level of equality. We had lots of ways that we were equal. Absolutely. But she had 10 years adult experience to my one, maybe. I don't even think I had a year of adult experience. Although, you know, like you, I kind of like did adulty things at, by that age, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. It's, and it's not to say, it's not to discount your experience in your early twenties, but it's just to say like a lot's changing. You're learning a lot all the time. Even if you're a wizened 24 year old. Oh, wizened. There's still like a lot. There's a lot to learn and know. And also like, I remember when I was 23, I got with someone in their early thirties and then they started like basically living off of me at some point. And I was like, it's because it's almost like we're married, but it's just because they were mooching off of somebody in their early twenties. What are you talking about? <laughs> Totally. And we should acknowledge that we are women who are dating women. And I think it's very different in heterosexual unions. And the reason why I think it's different is because of the inherent power differential and economic differences between women and men. And it is a radically different thing because of that, um, especially when it's older men and younger women, because they because there's just a whole thing about older men with younger women. And uh, it doesn't bode well for the younger woman as she ages, if she thinks she's going to be with him forever. And, you know, for a man to have all that social and economic power with the, you know, centuries of oppression from men to women, and then to pair up um, with a significantly younger woman who has less resources uh, in the world, less lived experience and less power, uh, I think that becomes really problematic, even if they're wonderful people and they're really in love, there are certain things that are just, we, we can't pretend that they're not real and still be honest. Right. So I think that those things make uh, May, December romances, as they're called a lot more problematic. I have seen the most successful May, December romances between two men. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I have whatever vague theories about that, but certainly they can work, but any pattern needs to be investigated. And if you cannot or will not truly like invest in people who are around your age, at least some of the time that says something about you that I think is worth investigating. And it's not inherently bad or doesn't necessarily need to be changed, but if you don't investigate it, then you cannot know. I just say proceed with caution. Mm. And if you're the elder I'm going to, you know, I don't like to invoke Dan Savage very much because for a lot of reasons, he's problematic, but his, a piece of advice that he had, that's pretty good is the campfire rule, which is if you're dating a younger person, leave them better than you found them. Like, just like, you know, don't leave them better than you found them. Just do something for them. Use your experience or your resources or whatever to like, you know, do your best by that young person, especially if there's a power differential and you yes. find yourself in that kind on that end of that relationship. Yeah. That's great advice. Jessica, you have given us so much of your time. I, I mean, I would talk to you for hours upon hours about all the things of the world, including May, December romances, uh, amazing acronyms to questions and um, the perils of aging. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you.
see you next time.